1855, an Irish poet by the name of Joseph Scriven was living in Ontario, Canada. And one day, he got a message informing him that his mother, who was living back home in Ireland, had been taken seriously ill. So being a poet, Joseph Scriven sat down and wrote a poem to encourage his poorly mother to give us some hope in her dark hour of need. And I'm going to start by reading the first two verses of the poem that Joseph Scriven wrote to bless his mother. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Now, 13 years after that poem was written, a guy by the name of Charles Crozat Converse composed a melody to accompany that poem. And the result, as many of us will know, became the very beloved hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. So today's topic is Jesus is our friend. Now, we all know Jesus is our Lord, he's our King, he's our Saviour, he's our Messiah, our Redeemer, he's the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. All these wonderfully powerful, majestic titles. But do we ever think of him as our friend? Is there perhaps a, a risk that that's a little bit too informal, a little bit too casual? As we've been singing, oh God, the uncreated one, our friend, king of kings forever, to think of him as, as our friend, is that a little bit too casual? Well, as we're going to see, the answer is no, it's not too casual. As we're going to be seeing, Jesus himself calls us his friends. So it's absolutely right that we have the permission to think of him as our friend. But what does uh, a friend mean these days? In this age of social media, you may have hundreds of friends on Facebook, but how many of those friends could you really count on if you were in trouble? How many of those friends would come to you in your time of need? How many of those friends would actually take time to listen to you? How many of those friends could you really confide in? And how many of those friends would really confide in you? If you've got a handful, I'd say you're doing really well. But friendship is something which is an essential part of life. We were built for community. We were built for fellowship. We weren't built to walk through the journey of life alone without friendships. But while that's true, it's really important that we choose our friends carefully. In Proverbs chapter 12, it says that 
the righteous choose their friends carefully. And why is that? Well, in Proverbs 13, it says that he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. In Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. See, the friends that we hang around rub off on us. They shape, our influence, they shape and influence our behaviours, our tastes, and sometimes our attitudes. The films we watch, the books we read, the music we listen to, the places we go. All of these influences come into our lives through our friends. So it's really important that we discern who our friendships are going to be with. But of course, every friendship needs a response. If you're the only person sending all the texts, all the messages, and not getting much of a response, the friendship's going to fizzle out. It's always a two-way street. Which brings us to the first verse we're going to look at this morning, which is in Revelation 3.20, and it should be up on the screen. Thank you. So in this verse, Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. There's a famous, uh, well, there's many versions of a famous illustration. If we could have the next slide, please, Lily. Thank you. Where artists have interpreted the scene of Jesus knocking on the door. Now, to set the context here, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is speaking to one of the seven churches, the church of Laodicea, who he calls a lukewarm church. They're neither hot or cold. Have you ever been lukewarm in your response to the Lord? I have. Regrettably, I've been very lukewarm in my response to the Lord. You know, the, the clutter of life, the noise of life, you may be aware that he's calling you, that he's knocking. But are you going to respond to that knock? Are you going to open your life and, and let him in? Or are you going to just be distracted by the other stuff going on in life? He says that, he knocks on the door. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. Interesting that Jesus specifies he will come in and eat with that person. I bet if I were to ask any of you about the closest relationships in your life, I bet there's always been food involved at some point. I bet you've always had a meal with somebody. There have been times when I've entered a home as a stranger and left as a friend simply because I've shared a meal with somebody. Food is a great gift, isn't it? It brings people together. It's one of the reasons why we have it at Alpha Course, when we have in-person Alpha Courses. Food is always a big part of it. Breaks the ice. It brings those conversations that you have around the table. And the physical act of sharing a meal with someone nurtures friendship and relationship. It's a, it's a very powerful bond that, that all of us have, whatever your culture is. Food is always at the heart of, of relationship. And, of course, Jesus knows that. And he says he will come and eat with us if we let him in. Now, of course, the most popular interpretation of this verse is that, oh, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. Let him in. And of course, praise and, praise and prayer are very powerful keys that can unlock the door of your heart to the Lord. But when I was preparing for this today, I felt the Lord wanted me to share something with you that I do personally, which kind of helps me open the door of my heart, especially when I'm feeling a bit lukewarm. When, I don't, when I'm kind of, Jesus is a bit of an afterthought sometimes when, when I've got other things going on. So how do I unlock the door of my heart, open myself to the Lord, 
kind of, because when you are feeling a little bit jaded, it's not always the easiest thing to do, to do your Clark Kent, open up, you know, and open, expose your heart to the Lord and say, yeah, come in, Lord. So one of the things that I do, and if we have the next slide, please, Lizzie. Thank you. This chair is uh, an old rocking chair that I have. This is in my living room at home. So just to set the scene here, I live by myself in my house, and I live in a place where, which is quite far from most of the people I know. So I don't get many friends coming to visit me. Um, so I'm usually by myself in my house, and I have this rocking chair. Now, this is my, and you can laugh if you like, you can mock me if you like, this is my Jesus chair. So when G I physically and literally invite Jesus into my living room, I say, come in, Lord, take a seat. I then will go and sit on my sofa opposite, and I will chat to Jesus in the chair. You're probably thinking at this point, oh, I thought Darren was a normal, <laughs> sensible, you know, just, just a cool dude. And now you're probably thinking, what a freak, what a weirdo. Is he out of his mind? And actually, if you think that, I'm glad. I'm glad to be out of my mind and out of my heart for the Lord because the Lord isn't normal. So, so I'm not going to, to see this as being a normal thing. And I would say, don't knock it till you've tried it because I've, there's been times when I've just been me and the Lord in the living room and I'm chatting to him as a friend, not even asking him for anything or, or, or I'm just saying, if, as relating to him on a, on, a friend, on a friendly level, when your friend comes round and sees you, what do you do? You just, you just chill. You, you chat about stuff, and you just you just enjoy each other's company. And I and doing that, I have found that the hairs on my neck tingle. I literally get a chill, and I just get overcome with this awesome wonder that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is in my living room. He's in my chair, and he's hanging out with me because he wants to, because he's knocking, and I've let him in. Don't knock it till you tried it. I can just, you know, thinking, what a freak. That's fine. That's fine. Um, happy to be a freak for the Lord. Uh, so that's one of the ways which um, kind of deepens my friendship and, and my sense of appreciation of the Lord as being a friend. And really, the only point I've got today is that Jesus is the best friend you'll ever have. That's the only point I have. And what we're going to do is just look at a few qualities of friendship and see how the Lord embodies those qualities. So if we could have the next slide, please, Lily. Thank you. So a friend listens. If you've got a true friend, they will listen to you. Now, David in the Psalms writes, The Lord will hear when I call to him. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. I love that. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Guaranteed, he doesn't slumber or sleep, doesn't switch off. When you call to him, he hears. He hears you. How great is that? To know that you've got a friend who always hears you. He's always there to hear what's on your heart, what's on your mind. That is a very powerful, um, a, a very powerful verse that we can just remember that the Lord hears us. And that we can bring out our request before him knowing that he, he sees and hears. If we could have the next one, please. So a friend tells you the truth. A famous verse from Numbers, God is not a man that he should lie. In Proverbs 12, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are truthful. 
So we know we have a friend who listens to us. We know we have a friend who's always going to be truthful with us, never going to let us down or lie to us. How many friends do you have like that, who you know are always going to hear you, make time to listen to you, and who are always going to be entirely honest with you? That's two huge, huge things there. And the next one, please, Lizzie. A friend is faithful. So Deuteronomy 31, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. In Proverbs 18, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So what we have here is a friend who never leaves us, never forsakes us. And whatever's going on in life is always close to us. Whatever disaster is happening around, we have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Always found that verse interesting because I don't have any brothers or sisters. I'm an only child. And I kind of, I have lots of cousins. I'm blessed with that. But I always look at siblings and I think, you know, it would be so nice to have a brother or a sister. But I have here a friend who sticks closer than a brother or a sister, which is a comfort. And of course, one of the things about friendship is touched upon is that a true friend is someone you can confide in, someone who you can trust with your secrets. And by the same token, they can trust you with the things that are precious to them. If your friendships are superficial, you're not really going to tell people what's really on your heart or mind, things that are bothering you, things that are really sacred to you. But the closer the friendship, the more you're able to confide in someone. Which brings us to the next, the next slide, please, Lizzie. So a friend confides in you, Psalm 25, 14. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. In Jeremiah 33, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. So we have the king of kings who chooses us and wants to confide in us, willing, us, willing to, to share with us what's on his heart. That in itself shows a real intimacy that he chooses to confide in us. The Lord confides in those who fear him. And one of the final qualities, I've only just picked a few here, is that a friend loves you. Isaiah 54.10, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. All the disasters that we hear about in the world, literally the environment, and all the troubles and difficulties, God's love is unfailing. And this verse from John 15, 13 to 16, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. So if there was anyone in doubt here about the appropriateness of seeing the Lord as a friend, as well as being our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords and our Saviour, here we have it. He, he's telling us that he calls us friends. What, what further proof do you need? If there's anyone who struggles to 
relate to the Lord in that way, just be reminded of that. He no no longer calls you servants. And he listens to you. He tells you the truth. He's faithful. He confides in you. He loves you. These are all truths that he says in his word. And he's not a man that he should lie. So we know it's the absolute truth. So really, it's short and sweet today. I'm going to um, invite the band up, who are going to lead us in a closing song. And just to recap the point that Jesus is the best friend you will ever have, and he chooses us. He says here, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So Lord, I thank you for the absolute truth that we've just been looking at that you listen to us, that you confide in us, Lord, that you're faithful, that you love us. Thank you, Lord, that you're not scared by us, that you knock on our doors, you want to come in, sit down and eat with us, Lord. That you've chosen us, that you call us friends. What a privilege it is, Lord, to know that you long to fellowship with us on that level. So we give you glory for that, and I pray, Lord, that we would all leave here today with a renewed sense of joy in the friendship that we have with you. In your name, amen.